Hey everybody, welcome to Comics All A Mode, the podcast where we talk about comics, movies, TV, um, you know, anything nerd culture and geek culture under the sun. I am Russ, I am one of two screaming goats that um, <laughs> talk to you about, talk to you on this podcast, and yeah. the other screaming goat is Landon, of course. And that would be me. How are we doing? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Not screaming too bad. goats. Huh? You still got. I still got the oh, screaming yeah. ringing in my ears. Yeah, man. You know, it's it's the gag that just kept that just kept uh, that just kept giving. Just kept going. It it certainly didn't stop. I, I loved sure. it. I thought it was funny. Honestly, I want to get that as the alar- my um my alarm for when I wake up. Just screaming oh my goats. Actually, you know, speaking of interesting wake-up alarms, uh, mine is I, – I changed it recently. So this whole month Uh-oh. I've been listening to the Force theme from A New Hope when mm-hmm. Luke looks over across the desert and the, and the Twin Suns, the iconic theme. That's been what I've been waking up to every morning. And nice. it makes a difference because it's like I've got this beautiful music to wake up to and it gets my day started off right. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. Nice. Yeah. I mean, talking about it, this isn't an alarm, but um, my ringtone for like the last year and a half has been the Amazing Spider-Man tune from um, from the movie Amazing, from Amazing Spider-Man Two. the his ringtone yeah. when he's like, oh, when, nice. Like, like when Gwen calls him and he's like hanging on to the side of the police car. And he's like, yep. hello. Yeah. Sorry. I'm coming. I'm on my way. I'm, I remember uh, that scene. First, second, third. Yeah, I found that ringtone, and that's my ringtone now. And it's like so obnoxious. I'm trying to. Re- is it the is it the Spider Man theme song, but in yeah, like a little but in like a techno. ringtone? It's awesome. Like techno, yeah, I think I remember that. I'm gonna. I'm back when that movie came right out. Now. Yeah, I was like, that's a sick ringtone. I should get that, but never happened. That's the one. Yeah, it's like eight bit almost. yeah i love it yeah so that's been my ringtone for like the last year it was funny because for the longest time waking up especially in college my um my wake up alarm was the psych themes uh theme song and it was funny because one day i was watching psych and my roommate walked in and it was just so happened to be right as the show was starting and he looks at the tv looks back at me and goes so that's what i'm being woken up to every morning <laughs> i'm like yeah i have one more thing to add to the yeah. to the wake up alarm stories oh, yeah. and that's my favorite artist just in music in general is nf yeah. rapper oh right? same. amazing music phenomenal and i actually caught on to nf as an artist from my roommate in college shout out to nice. nathan fackler i don't think he listens to the podcast but you know on the off chance that he hears this one Shout out to you, Nathan. You introduced me to NF because his ringtone in the mornings was always um, If You Want Love. It's like that really kind of methodical, Mm -hmm. um, one of his slower songs. And it's probably one of his most famous. But it woke up, you know, I heard that waking up a lot. And I was like, who's that artist? Just because I wanted to know. And he was like, that's NF. And I was like, I got to check him out. Here we are, and I have like literally every song of his downloaded on my phone. So <laughs> mine is Paralyze 
and it has Paralyzed, been for yep, a while. A I actually, at one point, I had it. Cha- I had it uh, hilariously enough to wake up, and it was just the chorus where he's like, "Wake up!" Wake <laughs> I was like, up. Wake I was like up. "Okay." I was like, "That's a little too on the nose." Like, honestly, it's on the nose. Um, but I mean, can't deny I've its seen, effectiveness. I've seen NF twice in concert. I would love to see NF in once. Concert. Uh, the once uh, was right before he dropped therapy sessions. And it so it was at one of the churches, yeah. like this small back. church. So I have a video of him literally standing like this far in front of my face. Oh and my he, gosh. As he's jumping, we're jumping up and down at to uh I think it was like intro or like one of those songs. Yeah, one of his intros. And like he like the the funniest thing is he has those giant timberlands on at all yes, times in like all of his music videos. <laughs> And so he had them on then. So like literally just drilled his heel into my toe like three times. I was like stepped on my foot. Like that's how close we were. Dude, nobody can say they got trampled on by NF before. (laughs) Exactly. Unique story. But I love his music. We are not here to talk about wake up alarms, ringtones and NF. Although I could talk about NF for a long time. Um, We're here to talk about comics. Bring it on. And some news. So before we get into comics, let's talk some news because there is a couple things. Um, first yeah, off, San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con is this weekend. So next week Definitely. we will be breaking down what happened. There's going to be a lot going on. Um, really excited. Um, this is the first time Marvel has been at Comic-Con in probably 10 years. I mean, at least two, right? I mean, at the past- least two. Probably 2020, 2021. I don't think Comic Con was a thing because of the coronavirus. Yeah, so true. So I think it was. I think it's at least five or six years. So this could be where we finally get an idea of where Phase Four slash Phase Five is moving to. Um, I have a feeling we've been getting rumors. So we got the rumors that Jason Segal, who you will know from forgetting Sarah Marshall as well as. Um, how I Met Your Mother. How I, met, how I Met Your Mother. He has been rumored to be playing The Thing, which, honestly, I would uh, absolutely be down for. I think that's a great choice. Definitely. Um, I mean, we we have we've had, we have David Arbor in um, Marvel, because otherwise I would have always said that David Arbor would have played a, a, an amazing Ben Grimm. That's a um, great choice. But uh, so we got that knowledge. The other thing that came out fan casting wise is that we got um, some (laughs) Ryan Gosling is in the news lately because of his (laughs) new movie coming out gray man, which I'm actually really excited about. It has um, it has the Russo brothers directing and producing, and then it has um, Chris Evans in it. So I'm really excited for that movie, but he's all that comes out Friday of this week. Yeah, it does. It comes out this Friday. He's also Ken. Um, in the Barbie uh, movie, um, but someone asked him what Marvel character he would want to pl- he would want to play, and he said Johnny Blaze, Ooh, aka Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Um, and and initially I was like, no, there's no, stop it, get out of here, like the, no, no. But the more I've been thinking about it, it kind of would be a really cool, especially if you got someone like if if he was gonna play johnny blaze you would have to get someone especially someone like um the guy from walking dead 
uh, I'm blanking on Norman Reedus. Right now. Norman yeah, Reedus Darryl. as like as like Danny Catch, and like yeah. because they're because they are brothers, um, and it would be really interesting that way. But I could I could see him do it. I think he's got the acting chops. I think he can be broody. He can be he could be Ghost Rider for sure. What do you think? I mean, bro, Ryan Gosling is an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been in so many great films. He's kind of he comes in clutch when it when 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 guys are in the dumps, you know, like thinking introspectively about their lives because he's played so many characters like that. It's like a meme at this point. And um, he's just got such an incredible range as an actor. I think he would kill Ghost Rider. I don't really know too much about the comic book version of Ghost Rider. Um, I do know. I mean, I know about the um the Nick Cage movies, of course. And then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had a portrayal of Ghost Rider that I thought was pretty good. I think that oh, was yeah. the most recent Ghost Rider, whose name escapes me. But it's um, the Latino version of Ghost Rider, played by Diego Luna, I think. I can't remember his name. He's amazing, though. I actually Robbie, really love that Robbie Reyes. Robbie Reyes. Ray- yeah, Robbie, Robbie Reyes. Reyes. Great portrayal there. So Danny Ketch is kind of the one that we haven't seen yet. So if he's itching to play Ghost Rider, I'm all for it. Um, my pick for for um, for Ryan Gosling would be Sentry. I'd want him to see a Ooh, portrayal of Bob Reynolds. That's he's got not that bad. pretty boy look. He's got that blonde hair. He's got, you know, the range to play a tormented individual, you know, see his Blade Runner performance. And he's also got that charisma, you know, see, well, upcoming in Barbie, he's about to be the Ken doll, right? So he's got, true. he's got, he can do whatever he wants, honestly. So, also true. But yeah, there's not really, you know, a shortage on Marvel characters that wouldn't be great with Ryan Gosling portraying them. So. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I totally agree. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's like casting rumors and news wise. Other thing that we just, um, I know, Landon just watched it literally right before we hit record, um, and I watched it about an hour ago, is uh, HBO dropped the House of Dragon full oh, trailer. goodness. Oh, and also Amazon, like, this weekend dropped the full trailer of Ring, Rings of Power. I totally forgot about that. Um, I haven't seen that one yet either. <laughs> oh, both both of them are great. Like I, both no of doubt. these trailers got me very hyped for the shows. I think House of Dragon is going to be very interesting because it looks like it's going to be, be showing us how the Mad King fell in love with um, uh, Ned's um, Ned Stark's sister. Um, because I'm pretty sure that uh, the brunette in the trailer is Ned Stark's sister. I think that's who that's supposed to be. Yeah, I saw some people in the trailer that gave me Stark vibes for sure. Um, man, dude, the Game of Thrones lore is so expansive, and I only oh, just it, watched yeah. the series a couple years ago during coronavirus. So not my forte, but you know, I know the Targaryens. I know that the Mad King... Um, is this focused on the Mad King, or is that like a generation after what we're getting in House of the Dragon? Because it's the, the Targaryens are in power. They have the throne. Yeah. Right well, yeah, but the Mad King is was a Targaryen. That's like the right. whole point. So but I that's think not what it's I focused think, on. I don't think it's focused on that. But I think what it's gonna be. Fo- I think what you're. It's kind of setting that up where throughout the show you're going to kind of watch him become the Mad King. 
Okay. I think that's nice. kind of where I think that's where we're going to kind of see. And so then it's going to lead to like, oh, this is why every that this is why everything happened. Um yeah. which I'm That's I'm the very, way they do it. Honestly, um, yeah, that's, very a, that's a big story that I'd like to see play out, you know. Let's just not get the Mad King. Let's get who he was before he became this person. And the interesting thing about both these trailers is that it um they're they really are pushing on the lore which i'm really happy about because especially with rings of power i have been very worried about this show because i um don't have a lot of faith in our culture today to actually just present um something that someone else uh wrote in a way that stays true to the source Hmm. without trying to chalk it full of oh let's make it relevant today it's like i'm sorry this is lord of the rings this is lord of the rings this is a medieval fantasy this is not a this is not no don't don't make it relatable to today there's nothing no stop it no i mean it's a fantasy genre like you don't want anything to really remind you of present times and all the tumultuous stuff that's you going can, on right now let's you can, just you can have you can have show. stuff like that you can absolutely have stuff like that but you do so in the context of the fantasy world if you're if you want to talk race relations talk about the race relations between elves and dwarves that's how yeah, you do all it the different stuff's going on there so uh so yeah so the it looks gorgeous as heck um and uh the story looks interesting i'm very excited to see to see where it goes um but yeah so i'm really excited about both those trailers um and the dragons dude man the dragons uh, have never looked better and we're getting a ton of them in house of the dragon so (laughs) i I told russ when i watched the trailer i'm like dude i am gonna have to get my hbo max account back (laughs) and get on this august 21st i don't know when the rings of power come out though when is when is the lord Uh, of the rings dropping i think it's like september september all right we're about to get oh. in busy season again. And a shout out for a show that I've been watching that I literally am, am sucked into terminal list on Amazon prime. So good. It has, uh, um, it has uh star himself. Chris Pratt. Very good. Dude. It's like all the Chris's have something coming out right now. You got yeah. Hemsworth with Thor, uh chris evans captain america is all over the gray man with gosling and then you got pratt with the terminal list i actually watched the first episode with my dad stellar really dramatic military um drama is just very good you know pratt was amazing the story hooked me i just was on my phone like listening to it when my dad was had it on but I ended up getting sucked into it too. So I haven't checked out any more since then. I'm kind of on a better call Saul binge right now, but nice. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff right now. So yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, we can hop into comics uh now. We've got a couple from last week that we wanted to kind of talk about. Um, Landon picked up Captain America and still has not read Captain America. I, not read it. I didn't read those issues of Vader that Shame. I picked up either, although I did get a new issue of Vader today. <laughs> i'm still kind of lost but he's slowly getting behind he's slowly uh he's slowly getting behind Dude, only my third week in the comics world i'm already behind in all the books i'm supposed to be reading but but to be fair captain america wasn't originally on the list so i'll get to it we'll talk about um 
the two chips Sadarsky books then we'll talk about batman and uh daredevil which do you want to start with because i loved both of these books uh dude go ahead and start us off with daredevil i gotta go turn my tv off because i think it's on and i hear yeah, stuff in the background no so i'll be right I'm, back you're good i'm pulling up daredevil right now so i can look at the pages um all right so daredevil one this is starting uh daredevil in a very new place in his life um uh, matt murdoch is dead now the the thing what we what we know from previous the previous run is that matt murdoch is not in fact dead it's mike murdoch that is dead um the kingpin killed him um but so the way this issue starts is it actually starts by us getting a conversation between butch who is actually the kingpin's son who is taking over as kingpin and matt murdoch who is disguising himself as mike murdoch and it's really a it's this is a very interesting issue because he's essentially warning he essentially warns butch that he yeah he may like he may not be like around much like essentially he says like hey just because you don't know that i'm don't know where i am doesn't mean you should stop being afraid of me and it's kind of a badass way of of like him saying like i'm taking a trip but just because i'm taking a trip does not mean that i'm leaving you to just run rampant and it's really cool because Spider-Man shows up and this issue is really just Matt Murdock and, and Spidey just having, just being friends. Um, that yeah. The other half of, the other oh, half yeah, of Matt being gone is, you know, the presence of Daredevil will still be felt in the criminal underworld because you never really know where he is. Like he's giving him a heads up. I'm going to be gone, but don't you dare commit anything. Cause I got eyes and ears everywhere. And, yeah, and Spider-Man is just a tip. Yeah, Spider-Man is just the tip of the iceberg. He's like, it's basically a show of force. Yeah. He's like, look, I still got people out here. We're, we're going to really watch cool. you. And this yeah, is a, that was this great. Is a very, if you are a fan of Daredevil, if you're a fan of Spider-Man, this is a very, very fun issue that you will enjoy. Um, and it's cool because at the end of uh, the night when Spider-Man and Daredevil are hanging out, Daredevil ends up just telling Spider-Man his identity um, because Kilgrave, um, Purple Man, his Purple children man. had wiped everybody's memory of who Daredevil was um, a couple years back. And so this was Daredevil being like, dude, like you're one of my best friends. Like you, I want you to know. And it was, it's sweet because Spider-Man's like, bro, I would tell you if this was any other time in my life, I would tell you who I am. But yes. because of everything going on in my life, it is not safe for, for anyone, especially because here's the worst part. The thing about the difference between Spider-Man and every other character is that when Spider-Man does something like get his identity put back in the bottle, there's like there's always a catch-22. There's always like a like a warning label with it like hey, if you do this, people are going to start finding out again. Whereas yeah. every other character who gets their identity put back in the bottle doesn't have those warning labels. They yeah. always get like they always get like special treatment where it's like, hey, you're good. Like if you if you like let someone else know, it's not big. That's a bit, it's not that big of a deal. It's not gonna 
push over a bunch of dominoes. Spider-Man is over here like, uh, if I tell this person, it's just going to start a long domino effect and it could just be catastrophic for my life. Um, I was going to say, I mean, I like your metaphor, but my example was going to be Pandora's box. Because it's yeah, like, you open that you open that secret it's identity true. chest and all these demons it's and all true. this bad stuff yeah. is just going to come flooding it's out. Just, so. It's just the Parker luck, man. That's, that's, just, that's, luck, man. that's just the Parker luck. I gotta um, say, I absolutely loved Spider-Man's inclusion in this book. Yeah. I love seeing a good classic team up, and Jim Zdarsky also comics, really knows how to write Spider-Man too. Yeah, he is a that's great, a great Spidey. Really and I love the, I love, love, love the comics and characters that focus on the criminal element on the ground. True. You know that street level uh, heroism is just my bread and butter, man. I love seeing that. And, you know, they're just crouched up on some shipping containers. It's just like a bro talk. It's like, yeah, I'm Matt Murdock. I'm back, man. And he's, you know, Spidey's like, I wish I could tell you, bro, but I can't. And then you see, like, Matt Murdock's thinking process and what he really thinks of Spider-Man as a brother and a friend is just a great partnership. So that was, I think, a highlight of the book for me. I mean, this issue was just full of great little threads that Zdarsky's run is going to take off on. But Spider-Man cameo was great. The other half of this follows Electra, and she is going to sting, which uh, or stick. Sorry, I always want to call him. She's going to sting. sting. <laughs> she goes to Stick, who is there, like the guy who trains oh, stick, them. Yeah, and it's really cool because uh, at the end of the last um, arc for Daredevil, he was like, "I'm ready. I'm ready to create." Essentially, they're creating the fist. Um. And so this it's essentially their version of the hand, which is an assassin group, but they yeah, want to create like they're gonna be the enemies in the hand. They want to create an army. And it's gonna be really interesting because the person currently leading the hand right now is the Punisher. So No kidding, huh? It's <laughs> gonna be that. interesting to see <laughs> what happens there. Um But yeah, so this this is a really fun issue. Um, Chip Zdarsky does a very good job on writing all these characters. Um, it, it, there are some, there's a lot of teases for what's coming in this run, but, but it is very much at, at the core, very much a book just that gets you in, in the daredevil, it, the daredevil universe. It very, Definitely. it feels very daredevil. Um, That's the thing which about I, I love. I love when I love when they're able to kind of take that time and really just drop you in this character's world. Um, and Chip Zdarsky does an amazing job on it. So yeah, I really like this. I love his Batman run, and the fact that both of these are like oh, new yes. introductory points for these characters is fantastic for me because I have not read comics in a very long time. So I'm reading this and I'm seeing charlie cox's interpretation of the character from the show i'm reading electra nachios as the you know the character that was in the daredevil show i mean there's so many great parallels to all that stuff but there's clearly like just this massive rich history of daredevil that zadarsky and batman that zadarsky is playing off of yeah and one of the most interesting things in this issue of daredevil was the inclusion of that goldman character which Mm, is like a a person and a figure from matt murdoch's perspective you know that's not really a daredevil yeah. inclusion it's like it's an old interesting lawyer buddy. See, yeah it's gonna be interesting to see who it actually that is because we find out that he has some sort of powers and they don't explain yeah. anything 
Bro uh, so says it's gonna that be he's the guardian angel, and Matt can't see Matt can see him rather. Like that's yeah. huge because he's blind. I mean, he has radar sense and all that stuff, but he can literally see this Mr. Goldman person in front of him, this guardian angel. And he literally saves Matt Murdock from being killed on a train. Like just with his mm-hmm. presence. He's like, I knew that yeah. was going to happen. I saved you. That was huge. Like I was reading that and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's a big thing in this, this issue, right? Just saving him from that train. Absolutely. That was crazy. Um, but yeah, then let's we can move on to Batman because it's this is the other Zdarsky book. Definitely. Um, I really, I really like this issue of Batman. Um, one of the things that one of the things to to note about Batman currently is Batman does not have money. Not um, a cent. He is essentially right now working out of like a bunch of garages. Um, that his parents had owned that like he didn't have to sell off so they're like little townhomes essentially okay um it's like a it's well i think he's living out of one townhome now i think he had to sell off the other ones so he's living out of one townhome his bat cave is now a bat garage yeah um and it's just very back to basics this issue opens with batman having a dream about the three jokers which the fact that Chip Zdarsky is going to bring this back around to the three Jokers is actually really exciting to me um, because they Jeff Johns did a really poor job of giving us any idea on what the heck the three Jokers was really a, like, like the anything about the three Jokers. Um, it was a very yeah, convoluted like story, story that was he kind had. Of fumbled. Yeah, I remember he it was like, oh, that hard seems awesome. I think he it was fumbled it hard Dude, three jokers. Oh, was it got it got teased like Doomsday like, Clock, like maybe Doomsday Clock. Yeah, board, it got it got like that, like way back, all the way back then. Exactly. Um, but then, then it came. Issue and I was like, opens. Ah, this is overwhelming. Exactly. Uh, so this issue opens. He has a dream about the three jokers. All of the Bat family is laying at the at their feet, um, bloodied and bruised. He wakes up and he calls Selena. Now, uh, if As you guys have been. If you guys haven't been li- uh, like reading comics or keeping up with comics, what you also need to know is that there was a storyline about a year ago that Batman and Selena Kyle, aka Catwoman, almost got married. Um, essentially, that ended with her being charged as a criminal for like thirteen hundred murders. It was like something insane, and it wasn't her. It was this person that she was protecting but she wasn't going to let them take the rap for it so she ended up taking the rap for it so she had to go off and try to fix her um image but also yeah and so like she jilted him at the altar uh and it's just been a weird and so they've they've kind of reconciled enough that it's saying to say that hey we both love each other but we can't get married right now. So like, the, like it, this is DC going, Hey, the options always there, but we don't want that to happen right now. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Almost in the same way that like, we're tease it a little bit more. And, yeah. Uh, almost in the same way that like, uh, they don't want to Spider-Man to get married or to have a decent relationship ever. Um, yeah. One thing I will say, um, the artist it's, uh, 
crap. I can never remember his first name. He's um South American Jimenez. Ortega. He Ortega. is so good. I love his artwork. Um, I think it fits really well with Batman. I think it fits really well with um with Chip Zdarsky's writing. And so this is just a detective story, really. Um, the biggest thing is it looks like the penguin is going to be, especially for this first arc, the big bad, uh, which I think is very interesting. Um You say the penguin? Uh, yeah, the penguin. Uh Tim Drake is in this issue a lot. It looks like he is gonna be kind of re kind of taking up his mantle as Robin. He's always been Robin, and so has like, you know, Damien has always been Robin, but Damien is in um a little bit of fights with his dad right now. So he is not he is not Robin Robin. He's like changed his costume. His costume's now red, black, and gray. Um Bro, I don't really have had, any affiliate like I don't he, really have any affinity for Damian Wayne like at all. Oh, dude, I guess he, Robin. No, has, he's a great character. He is a great character. I know. But, I just um, I don't really. I've never really read him too often. And what I do well, know about him, I'm just super annoyed. My biggest I problem loved was seeing Robin. Tim Drake yeah. though. Robin was yeah. a very nice surprise in this book. I was not yeah, expecting Tim Drake that. is good. Is uh, yeah, and I'm also really happy that they're bringing Tim Drake back around and giving him more to do. Um, this really started. This really started with Nightwing when he started showing up in Nightwing's book more often. Him hanging out with uh, with uh, Dick and then the inclusion of Batgirl and everything was really cool. Um, and so seeing him in a Batman yeah. book is always fun because, like, honestly, for me, too, like, Batman needs Robin. Definitely. And, it, like, modern comics has have really kind of walked that away from that line and i really think they need to get back to it especially when you're trying to like i don't know like it's like this is a perfect opportunity to give a character like tim drake who usually just every time a book comes out that it's a tim drake book it just doesn't it there's nothing there because nobody knows what to do with tim drake i mean Um, i've always felt like some characters are just way more effective as side characters i mean i don't think there's anything wrong with that i mean batman is at his best sometimes when he has a Robin with him, you know, it humanizes him a little bit more. Arguably it makes him a little bit softer, you know, cause he's got this sidekick to take care of. And that's, that's kind of what happens in this issue. Like you talk about giving Robin things to do. He gets freaking shot and he's in the Robin hospital the now, which is kind of ironic, which uh, is so ironic. Like, oh, because great. The last... We got Tim, Tim Drake back as Robin. And then I was like, Oh no, he just got shot in the neck and he's, bleeding out of his artery and he's talking about his identity and how he wants yeah. to protect bruce even when he's dying and it's ironic too it's, it's sad, ironic but it too was, because cool. last like year it. it's ironic too because last year uh dick grayson got shot in the head by kg beast and yeah. forgot who he was for like an entire year um Amnesia. and so we just got it back and then of course now we're shooting another robin which is hilarious to me um but yeah, so this the issue ends. To, to, we get flashbacks to Jason Todd as well. So it's like Robin's yeah, kind true. of surrounding this yes, whole issue. Exactly. The issue this issue ends with essentially Cobblepot killing himself, but making it look like Batman did it. So now Batman is on the run. So I'm very interested to see where uh uh Chip takes this this um what's the word? This arc. Um, and where he takes the run moving forward i don't know yeah it'll be interesting to see how long chip is going to be on this book 
Um, and so I'm very excited to see. Uh, we get a tease for a robot called Failsafe. So that's going to yeah. be very interesting to see. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely loved this issue. I think it was great. Um, it very, like the very, whole... has very uh, Moon Knight vibes. Yeah, I felt that too. Especially because like Moon Knight is also very amazing. We got some great mm-hmm. comics coming out right now. Well, the thing about Failsafe is like, I mean, it opens up on the Batcave, right? You have Alfred there. It's obviously a flashback because Alfred's been dead for a while. You hear this like beeping, like this alert that's going off in the Batcave. And then it kind of goes straight into the Three Jokers dream. And then we get the story, uh, Penguin framing bats and Robin getting shot and the gala and all that stuff goes down. And then at the end, we get another tease to the beeping that's going on in the Batcave still. And it's this robot thing. And that kind of was like way out of the blue for me because I'm like, oh, here we got this great story about the criminal underworld. You know, either there's a there's a gang war afoot because Penguin is dead. You got a power vacuum to fill. And in the issue afterwards, I don't know if it did you read it on digital or did you get the? No, I got I bought it. Yeah. Okay. So there's a Catwoman issue as well involved in this, which is interesting. I didn't read it. It's it's cool. All right, I won't spoil it for you, but there's no. Nah, it's fine. You can down. absolutely spoil it because I I Fair literally enough. just looked at it for the art. That's all I looked Fair at enough. for. Um, I mean, the story itself is fine. It's just like it, it alludes to more players trying to get the iceberg lounge. But at the very end, there's this character that approaches Selena Kyle because they're trying to find out the people that are inheriting Penguin's will, and those people end up being his ten children that Penguin has fathered. Mm. And that's like out of left field. So there's some like crazy stuff going on. We got this robot from Batman and then we got Selena Kyle hunting down penguins kids. So just two crazy cliffhangers. Um, that kind of felt out of place, but I'm sure it'll connect to something down the line. (laughs) True. I mean, in other words, fantastic issue. I mean, it felt like Batman. It felt very much like going back to his roots you know, starting from scratch, yeah. he's got all his money taken away. And I felt like a, a common theme, well, not a common theme, but like a theme, right, in this in this book was Batman feels lost. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's because, you know, Robin alludes to, to Batman not going out in public as his Bruce Wayne identity very much anymore. He's got more time on the job because... You know, he doesn't have to make those appearances. And then once Robin gets shot, he's like, I don't I don't really know who I am right now. Like he literally says he feels lost, which I thought was great because we we literally see a Batman in this book fighting, wearing half Bruce Wayne and half Batman apparel. Right. I thought that was a great physical interpretation of kind of his headspace right now at the gala when he's, you know. He's just got his mask. He's just got the utility belt, but he's wearing like Bruce Wayne's tux and he's fighting Clayface and Penguin. And that, that has me really intrigued because that means we're going to really do a deep dive into what it means to be Batman again. And I'm here for that. (laughs) I thought that was really cool. And I didn't, I didn't realize until I was kind of molding over the book that parallel, which I thought was neat. So props to Zdarsky for that one. That's really cool. The art um, amazing as well. Oh, so yeah, the art's great. Just a art's swirl great. of greatness. <laughs> you wanted to talk about Moon Knight because you did finally catch up. Um, yeah, I have not read the most recent issue. I only picked up. I only finished off the first arc. 
Um, so I finished off the arc of Zodiac, um, but I did not pick up the most recent issue. The most recent issue was cool because obviously Zodiac is, well, they didn't arrest him. Did he, did he slink away again? I think he knocked him out, but then his, his, um, his Stephen Grant persona came out. Oh yeah. um, Yeah. The the end end we had Stephen Grant pop out. Yeah, for sure. I'll say that issue 13 doesn't have any Zodiac in it. It's kind of going into this vampire story arc. Yeah. Yeah. Zodiac Zodiac is not going to be, is not going to be around for a little while. I think I'm trying to remember what happened to him though. Did they arrest him or did they kill him? I don't think they killed him. I think he got away. I think he, I think, I think they like won the day, but it was one of those situations where he got away in the end. Yeah. I think they Um, beat him, but then Moon Knight freaks out. We get Steven Grant. And then I think Zodiac slinked away. Yeah. Issue 13 yeah, is cool fun. because we have Taskmaster hired by this oh, this fun. this group of vampires because Moon Knight is really annoying this uh it's a pyramid scheme of vampires <laughs> which is which is odd but it's been there we since you know the first issue of Moon Knight when uh when his assistant got bit and then we have these True. characters now Taskmaster is scared to death of Moon Knight, and it's funny because the whole time this head vampire is trying to interview Taskmaster and hire him to kill Moon Knight, and he's like, no way, dude. I am not touching that. Mark Spector's a wild card. Yeah, he's so dangerous, it's not even funny. And this is a guy who can mimic the abilities of others, right? Taskmaster's no slouch. And him saying all this stuff, I, it was a good issue just because it was funny that Taskmaster was... And then he shows up to Mark, and he's like... Dude, he's like he's like 100 feet above him on these rebar in this like building that's being constructed. He's like, I'm not coming down there, but I I wanted to give you a professional courtesy. I got offered a lot of money to kill you, but I'm not going to. So I'm out of this. I, I got nothing to do with this. And then he bolts. Leave me so. alone. Leave leave me alone. <laughs> I'm gonna go home now. Yeah, l- listen, man. I'm just here to tell you, my hands are clean. Always, to this. Yeah, I always love. That's one thing. Um, I've always loved Taskmaster. I have, Taskmaster's yeah, he's great character because he he sometimes does the thing that you least expect. Like something like this is just it makes sense, but it also is like, dang, I wouldn't have expected that. Um, I mean, he's he a mean guy, but he's really not good. evil, yeah. right? Yeah, he's, he works for he's the highest just, bidder, and he works when he wants to. So he doesn't want uh, to. He, lo- he looks out for his self interest at all exactly, times. and so when that doesn't correlate. He's not going to do something. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's really good. I think um, definitely going to be a book that I pick up again um, probably later. Um, I just got really sucked into that first. Um, that Captain America run? Uh, well, I got sucked into the Captain America run, but I got sucked into that first arc with Zodiac. I thought Zodiac <clears throat> was such a really cool character. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. That I'm gonna, I'll probably end up picking up the rest of that arc, um, in volumes as it comes as as a That's volume came, comes out. Definitely. Um, but yeah, when let, when the Zodiac stuff was coming out, there was a fantastic issue I read, um, because I think during the time that that issue was written, um. Fisk's war for New York was going on and Moon Knight was in prison. So we had a whole issue dedicated to Hunter's Moon, which was awesome. Mm, Who's been introduced into this series. And he is tasked with 
hunting down a sentient stained glass window that's been possessed by this murderous spirit, this woman who died in this mm. church. And he takes on this, uh, I forget, I think her name is like stained glass Mary or something. Yeah, yes. I remember and she's this got issue. this metaphysical form as like this beautiful stained glass yeah, it's really entity. Cool. Really incredible. And the way that Hunter's Moon bests this villain, he just calls upon Conchu, man. So you yeah. have this um, quote unquote new god, this Mary character, and this old god, Conchu, duking it out. Just an incredible episode, or not episode, incredible issue. I read that one while waiting for fireworks on 4th of July. Nice. So that one really nice. stuck with me. Um, nice. Man, Moon Knight is incredible. I love that. Yeah, I love that series. Book. Such a good book. Um, okay. Well, let's, we're going to hop into our discussion of Thor. So last week, Thor Love and Thunder came out. Um, Landon and I went and saw it with Joe um opening night um couple things like before we like dive into it um a couple things that have come out is that a their marvel i guess has currently a two hour mandate like it has to it has to hit it cannot go longer than two hours which is why thor love and thunder was the shorter or the shortest Marvel movie in a while. As so in it least, can't go, it has to be at least like two hours it, no, or it can't it, go past it two can't hours. It can't go past two hours. It has oh, to, it cannot go past two hours. It's a, it's a mandate currently with Marvel. Yeah. It came out just as Thor love and thunder got released. Um, uh, but yeah, no Landon, what did overall, what were your thoughts uh, before we kind of get into the nitty gritty? Well, first off, the irony of having a two-hour cap on your movies and then releasing like five hours of TV show content for one season is is kind of baffling. Um, Thor: Love and Thunder was very short. That's TV. I mean, that's true. There's different formats there, but it doesn't lessen the form of storytelling. I don't know. No, I I didn't know. I didn't know about the two-hour cap, which makes sense now. Thor: Love and Thunder was a breeze. I felt like it was over like that (laughs) yeah um and added to that i felt like i didn't really get much out of it i felt like there wasn't a lot of substance i was really intrigued by what they could do with gore the god butcher i gotta say i was disappointed although he was the best part of the film i loved uh everything that christian bale did with the character um albeit may not be comic accurate because i think he took some liberties i mean there's there's a lot of liberties being taken here with, um, I, I don't even like think Jake i don't Bell even think it's i don't even think it's him Gorm. taking the liberties i think it was taika watiti was also taking the liberty yeah i mean it's just it's just taika. that writing um man i could have used so much more of gore i have a i have a quick easy fix for how i think this movie could be be made better but well i mean for I, now i'll, I'll just chime say, in i'll chime in on i'll chime in on that portion of it yeah let's my, talk one of my issues with this movie is that i it well actually it's not even just an issue of this movie it's actually been an issue with most of their movies minus uh no way home or far no way home yeah no way are you home. talking after um, end game 
Yeah. Like all the Every, stuff like most after most Marvel Infinity movies Saga. after End Endgame and after and then minus um No Way Home because No Way Home is one a almost perfect movie. Um <laughs> but the problem Marvel has had especially with, you know, Doctor Strange and this movie is I think they are giving a little too much creative freedom to the directors. And this is, and, and what I'll, what I'll, how I'll say that is that it's very obvious that these movies are, Oh, this is absolutely a Sam Raimi film. Oh, this is absolutely a Taika Waititi film where Marvel before this was, Hey, here's the story we're trying, we need to tell. And now you can, you can, do your creative flair with that story that we need to tell. Um, it is now very much more, Hey, you know, director, you can do, do your movie. You can come uh, in and do whatever you maybe, want. Here's, here's like a, I, an idea for a story that you could like kind of work with. You can be and very liberal. Here are a couple of things that you have to include because we're tr still trying to build to something. So like you have to include these things. Oh yeah. And I don't well that's the thing. More so, that's I don't, more so I don't think... comment on Doctor Strange rather than Thor. Yeah, because I, I was gonna say like Thor, Thor really didn't much. add to anything. Um but I also think most of phase four just doesn't we're kind of floundering right now. This is that's very true. much like phase two when I feel like, that Thor the Dark World like we're getting these mediocre movies that like are fine they're not terrible but like they're missing stuff they're missing substance that like can help it and the, so the biggest Indeed. issue with this movie for me and this is why it gore is such an issue to me too is that this is a movie that is trying to do to, trying to be both co comedic and serious at the same time it is supposed to it, it is trying to have its cake of being funny and being a Taika Waititi film, but then also eat it too when it comes to be serious, have a have a like a scary character like Gore be the villain. Um, I'll take it one step further. It just further, never. It just doesn't that the fully film work. Is, isn't balanced. I mean, it's way more comedy than it is serious. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying. I, yeah, that's not. That's yeah. That's that. I absolutely agree with. Uh, to its detriment is, I think, a step further than I would take it. Right. Um, I just think there's a lot of ways you could have played this movie with gore, and it still worked. Um, one of the biggest, and and this is this is a, a criticism of the runtime, but it's also a criticism of just how they decided to choose to use the runtime is that I walking away from that movie I felt like a lot of the characters did not get enough time to develop their character essentially. So, perfect example yeah. of this is that I Tessa Thompson has never been a character character that I like. Oh my god, she has to be in this movie. But I always I've liked her character. I I have I've liked her character. She was great in Ragnarok and she's been good in whenever she pops up. This movie gave her literally nothing, nothing to do. Like it just didn't make any sense why she was honestly there. Like yeah. I kind of felt like they should have just like had a scene where, or like had the scene where you know Thor talks to the village, talks to King Valkyrie, and then leaves. 
and Valkyrie yeah. just stays at New Asgard, and that's it. Would have been great. Would have been her fine. contribution is literally, oh, we should go to Omnipotent City, and then yeah. they go, and she's still there, and then she gets stabbed, and then she's gone. So yeah, it literally wouldn't exactly. have changed anything if she had just been like, hey, welcome to New Asgard. Oh, you got Gore the God Butcher on your tail. Oh, he stole our kids. Thor, get him back. Here's where you need to go next. Boom, exactly. done. <laughs> exactly. Valkyrie doesn't um, do much for me either. Um, and I mean, then I like with Thor, Thompson, but they had to change Gore's character so much in a lot of ways to make it fit in this universe. First, yeah. they got rid of the fact that the sword, the Necro Sword, is actually also all black. The first symbiote. Yeah understandable so instead eh. you have this weird gore has these weird shadow powers and then so instead of him actually being like uh, physically a prowess and actually taking on thor it's literally just he creates shadow monsters and have has them fight thor yeah and like that part i was like really like really pretty much every physical instance that gore had to fight thor he lost he, yeah, <laughs> he, he lost he, the hand to hand and he just slunk away kicked. yeah exactly he got his butt whooped um, which is total opposite in the comics i'm pretty sure it's the other way around doesn't thor get uh well so uh in the storyline in the storyline uh with gore uh gore and thor have met three uh met three times so okay they met they met first when thor was young and didn't have mjolnir and mm. he got his ass kicked. They met when he's uh, modern day Thor, and that's when Thor stop, uh, beats him the first time. And then mm. they meet in the far flung future when Thor is the last god alive, and he and Gore fight. And then that's when Loki ends up taking the Necro Sword and becoming becoming the neck or Necro Loki or whatever the heck they wanted to so call interesting. it. Interesting. Remember. So um, really good if uh gore dead? ends up dying okay. uh, at the end but uh yeah if you guys want to read a really good run and you you think you know you go you were intrigued by gore you need to read the jason aaron thor run uh it is absolutely phenomenal the art is yeah. gorgeous beyond belief that's um, on the list man so good i'm gonna get to so it so good um but now that I've kind of like just railed on this movie a lot, uh, I still enjoyed this movie. I still very much enjoyed this movie. It was um, a fun time to be sure. I had a great time with you guys. I, I laughed at yeah. a lot of parts, but it was, I gotta it was say, a my fun, second viewing, not as much funny movie. Yes. This is very much, this is very much that meal that doesn't sat like fully satisfy you at the end and you're like oh you know what i do have room for dessert or oh you know what i'm gonna have a snack at midnight because i just didn't feel full enough like that's that's what this movie is um <laughs> i loved what they did with uh jane foster um i'm also very 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 happy that they didn't leave her alive um, Same and here. they, Same and they killed her uh, because I, first off, I think that emotional punch at the end of the movie was really well done. And especially yeah. with then on top of that, us seeing Gore's ki uh, daughter and mm -hmm. Thor essentially taking her under his wing. 
I really thought that was well, that was well done. Um, yeah. Gore's death paralleled with um, Jane Foster's death was very effective. I thought both of those storylines ended very well. I didn't have any problems with Gore in the film too much, but I, I did kind of have issues with um, Jane, Th- Jane Foster. Mm. Primarily, it's just a performance thing. And from the very get-go, when Natalie Portman was announced to come back and she would be wielding the hammer, I always felt like she her heart wasn't in it. And I didn't feel like her heart was in it, even watching the movie. <laughs> oh, I actually thought she she actually wanted to be there, unlike unlike uh, the second Thor. You know, she might have. I, I mean, I did get the impression sometimes that it's great to have her back. I thought the intro scene where she is getting her cancer treatment and Kat Denning's character comes back. That was a great little scene to tie everything together and and. True introduce kind of her her new struggles in her life because she's been missing for years um you know maybe she did want to be there i just felt like maybe the problem boils down to not it's natalie portman no 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 not really being comfortable with portraying the cape and the and and then the costume and the mjolnir and the the corniness of some of her lines maybe she just had trouble with the material um, I, something no. something in her performance she, was missing the for problem, me. The problem with Natalie Portman is that she has a dual personalities inside of her body. It's there's <laughs> there's one personality that actually knows how to act, and then there's another personality that just for some reason acts like the dumb one and yeah. just doesn't know how to act. And like <laughs> literally, she's bipolar. So like, she'll be in a movie and she'll be acting amazing, and then the next scene, it's like, what? How is this the same actress, dude? Uh, Natalie Portman is actually very smart and very like she has like a PhD. She has several. I'm not doctorate. saying she's she dumb. I mean, I'm just crazy. saying she acts. She acts well, like I mean, sometimes that she's the dumb. No, I get one. you. I mean, some sometimes actors just you know don't don't have it or whatever for whatever reason. Um, I just don't really like her acting. I never have. I know. I thought she put enough effort into this that it worked. The it nice were, thing was it, it was, was, it was corny. It was corny enough that like <laughs> it was corny so enough fine. that it kind of it just fine. worked. Yeah. One of the funniest things about this movie that I I'm just I love that Taika Waititi decided to go this route is having the like two screaming goats yes well yeah the screaming goats were hilarious to me actually actually no Um, that's the that's the 10 year old uh inside of me just being like thinking everything dumb like that is just the funniest but um no my the funniest thing about this movie and i'm so amazed that like someone signed off on this but I'm i'm also amazed that taika just kept kept going on with it and it just kept getting funnier is the jilt is the jilted lover aspect of oh um, stormbreaker Stormbreaker. yeah that was pretty funny i think so one of the things in this movie is that you know mjolnir is back obviously because jane foster's wielding it Mm -hmm. and throughout the movie you have thor being like am i still worthy am i still worthy and so he like he like puts out his hand and he also is getting a little jealous that like jane foster is holding on to mjolnir and so like like a relationship kind of like outstretch his hand to see if he can call mjolnir back to him yeah and every time he's doing this all of a sudden from out of nowhere stormbreaker will pop up 
Now, obviously, when he's calling, when he's like outstretching his arm trying to call Mjolnir and uh, Stormbreaker shows up, that's because he's like he has no connection to Mjolnir anymore to the point that he has to call that it's it's him calling Stormbreaker. But the way Taika Waititi like showed that on screen made it very like very much like a, you know, someone who was fawning off after their ex yeah, and their current girlfriend was like, yo, what is wrong with you? Very like, funny. I, I feel like, I feel kind of like disrespected and it was just, and he kept doing it and it just kept being funnier and funnier to me as the movie went on. Like sometimes those types of gags will get old very quickly, but literally every time it happened, like it, it happened a little differently that made it funnier than the first time it did that it happened. Um, yeah. So I thought it was funny. I, I'll I, give him I, that. I, I mean, that a was I had a good time. That was, I think the best joke that they had. And oh, it sure. was, it was very funny the first time. And it was funny maybe a few times after um, like, like most of the things in the movie. I mean, I got tired of the goats pretty quickly. Um, this joke was one that did last pretty, pretty good. But again, I feel like it was carried on a little bit too long but it was very funny the first time. I mean, we had a great theater experience. I mean, there was the theater experience was, yeah, that was a good crowd. um, That definitely added to it. The, the Thor costumes were really cool too. Like that is such a, uh, the Jane Foster one was such a comic accurate version of it, which is to be expected. Um, and I loved the new addition to, um, to the thor costume the blue and gold actually really worked for me a lot um which it, I thought be- was it definitely cool. looked better on screen some yeah. of the promotional oh, for stuff sure yeah the promotional stuff a little too flashy but in the in the context of the film and seeing it in action it was fine i mean it looked like yeah. a thor costume it was fine. i gotta say his his you know his new asgard attire when he shows up to battle the the first round of gore's shadow monsters you know, and the he fuzzy, the fuzzy the, the on the fuzzy, cape. Oh. Yeah, it's almost classic Asgardian. It was so classic simple. Thor and like so perfect, like so beautiful. Jump off the comics that it was great. I loved that. Fantastic. But yeah, um, yeah, no, it was fun. I, I, I had, I had fun with it. I, I definitely want to see it again. It's all, it's gonna be on Disney Plus very soon. Um, next month because, maybe. Yeah. Right? Because the the times are only like forty days now, very short window when it um, so. gets out of theaters and hops on the streaming yeah. service. So. I think I think this film. One thing I will say about this film is like yes, it it has a lot of struggles, but I think it was a a little bit more cohesive than the um, um Doctor Strange. Yeah, Thor movies. Yeah, the Doctor Strange. It was also better than Thor two. Better than Thor two. I will say the one thing that I appreciate more about Thor two is the tone, and that's that just circles back to my my criticism of this movie, kind of skewing towards comedy way too much. And I like the the tone of Thor 1 and Thor The Dark World more so than what we're currently getting from Taika Waititi. Ragnarok is still on top, and there are, very, there are a lot of similarities between Love and Thunder and Ragnarok, 
However, I think Ragnarok handled the balance much better. And also at the time, it was a fresh take on the Thor franchise because, you know, tones and, and genres and things can get old fast. I think you always have to be kind of doing something a little bit different. And this this one just kind of felt like way too much of the same. And a lot of the jokes landed, a lot of them didn't land. And then when you just have constant MCU quips and humor thrown at your face it just it drags me down man and i think there's so much more interesting content to explore when you have jane foster struggling with cancer but the power of mjolnir really takes away from the cancer but it's like an addiction almost right that's a heavy theme gore the god butcher obviously going around renouncing religions and killing gods that's heavy subject matter as well and it's difficult to make movies and it's difficult to write and strike that balance. But here it was just so jarring that, you know, I, I just can't let it go away. But I think Ragnarok's still on top. And then I got Thor one and then I guess, yeah, I'll put love and thunder and um, dark world is still on the bottom, but there's not really much of a difference between those last two Thor films. So that's just where I would rank them. What about you? Um, I, as much as like, I'll, I say that like Ragnarok didn't do for me as, as, um, what it did for a lot of people. Uh, Ragnarok is still probably my favorite Thor film. This one is probably, I think this one's tied for me for the first with the fir- I think it goes Ragnarok then it goes this and the first Thor and then Thor 2. Oh, um Thor has never really been that franchise that they that I thought they were actually that they actually did a good job on. Um I've really struggled with all of the Thor movies. It's um, a weird like corner the, the worst part is like the worst part is like I love Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I think it's funny. I think all of the Thor movies have pieces that are really good. Um, Agreed. But they've never had a cohesive, a full cohesive movie where I was like, yup, that was amazing. So, you know, I just think, I think that's kind of where I'm at. Um, And that's okay. Honestly, that's okay. This will definitely, I will definitely, I will definitely rewatch this movie. Honestly, this is like one of those, I've heard a couple people, uh, comment that they that this was like watching an acid like watching taika watiti go on an acid trip as he was like thinking about thor um which actually brought up a interesting fan theory that the reason thor uh love and thunder is the way that it is is because it's the whole movie is korg retelling it and so korg takes some <laughs> liberties oh, um korg which would be hilarious. It's kind of like the same it's thing. True. Where it's like, I mean, there's, there's you probably talk to Larry, the cable guy. Theory. It's kind of like when you talk to Larry, the cable guy, and he says that cars two was actually just supposed to be a dream that yeah. Maynard was having or, or like, like Joker like not that. knowing an origin story. Cause he's always changing it. Cause he's the exactly. one telling it. So I, like, sure. I like that theory. Or, or that like, honestly, or like, or like <laughs> Iron Man three being the whole movie was just him was just Robert Downey Jr. Telling, bruce about his week yeah um on on a therapist on a therapist couch um so yeah i think it was fine 
um i had a lot of fun with it i still am gonna have a lot of fun with it i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it it'll be my most watched thor movie i can i can tell you that right now i gave um uh, uh, i gave the first thor by kenneth branagh i gave that a rewatch last year i think mm. and i was actually very pleasantly surprised revisiting that film i think it's very strong so when i say that thor one is my second and then and then love and thunder there's a pretty large gap between those two rankings i think thor one is very good one of the stronger um phase one mcu films for sure i would definitely give that a rewatch and and see if you can either bump it up or bump it no down. i no i can't really bump it up or down because i've tried rewatching that it's it's my it's david's favorite marvel like marvel film like it's his favorite marvel film. oh wow um and i i give him such crap for that because i think it's not i think Um, where a lot of people get lost on thor one i think is he's on earth like too long well like thor one thor one the problem (laughs) is that chris hemsworth really didn't hit his stride as an actor until the second Thor. Like that's when he started getting actor roles in other things that started to show just how good of an actor he really was. And then it wasn't until Ragnarok that we finally got a Thor movie that really tapped into his acting potential. Yeah. And then you get infinity war and then you get Endgame. And you really start seeing just how good of an actor Chris Hemsworth really is. And then you get all of the movies that he's done, or a lot of the movies, some of the movies, minus Ghostbusters. Um, Ew, gross. Ew, we can't even mention um, that. <laughs> or, and <laughs> Men in Black. Uh, Ew, yeah, that's bad too. Great you actor. You start seeing that he's a good actor. Um, so that's just one of those things uh, that that's one of the reasons I really struggle with Thor 1. Because again, it has a lot of really interesting pieces. Loki and Tom Hiddleston is amazing, bro. But like, yeah, everything else about that movie is really forgettable to me. I think Loki. Like, for example, just... Thor two, the intro to that movie, the them showing like the old school history, and then them showing him in fighting with the uh, Warriors three. Awesome, Uh-oh. so cool. They're, yeah, they're, inter- so. they're them showing Asgard. So cool. It's not. And then once everything out, then the movie starts falling off the rails. And that's where I was like, oh, man, this would be really cool if they could get Thor to be like their quote unquote, their version of like a Game of Thrones or like their version of like very like dig into that, like yeah. mythology, Norse mythology, medievalness. And I think they, they took a, I think they took a lot because Branagh's asgard was much more cartoony like everything was gold and then thor the dark world comes along i think they did take a lot of in in, um interpretation from like i think game of thrones was probably hot at the time because like you could tell you have more stonework you have much more real looking places and people inhabiting asgard i think that was a great aspect of thor the dark world you know my thing too is like marvel doesn't really make quote unquote bad movies they just make forgettable yeah, yeah. i think thor the dark yeah, world sure. is a fine movie it's just there's nothing special about it very forgettable people say yeah, that about sure. you know the first thor movie and iron man it's 2 definitely and... my it's definitely the worst to me the worst marvel movie 
right. but it's also not like it's not an F. No, it's not like it. Like, it, uh, like like uh, set up against other movies. It's not a terrible movie, right? It's I mean, just, and when people rank Marvel films, <laughs> when you have a list like that, there's always going to be a couple that drop to the bottom just because you've got so much better stuff, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what happens to to the dark world for me but it did a lot of great things with the asgardian lore i think that's maybe one of loki's best interpretation there's some great loki stuff in there and i think that's something that i was missing from love and thunder was loki's presence not being there um there's not there's not really any way to fill that void for me i'm really happy that it wasn't i just i love that partnership and that dynamic i'm so done with loki I'm very happy like he died in Endgame. Like I'm glad he's done. Like Infinity War was it. And I'm glad that like the only way we're bringing him back is in his own thing. Yeah, he's I'm also so happy with that cuz I just really <sighs> they have outplayed Loki so hard and it just yeah. every time I see him on screen I'm just like dude stop. I don't know, he's got he's got some sort of charm on me, man. I, Tom Hiddleston is just infectious. Every time he shows up, I'm I'm very excited. Um, I mean, that's something, you know, that's a hole that Korg didn't fill. That's something that Valkyrie didn't fill. I didn't get really anything from Jane Foster. So the only thing left to talk about really is the guardians. The guardians of the galaxy were in almost not even five minutes of the movie. I don't think because the big action scene that they were involved with was just kind of a, a Thor going God mode on these aliens which was fun. You know, it was set to sweet child of mine by guns and roses, which was fun. But I was really itching for a guardian store team up and I didn't really get that. And I was really disappointed by that aspect. I didn't think that they'd play too much of a role, but I was hoping for a little bit more because now I feel like we've just skipped over that idea. Oh no. I, yeah. See, this is where we yeah, talk- feel like it was we wasted. About this. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this off um uh in text. Uh I'm yeah. very happy that the Guardians did not stay any longer. I know. Um they this is this is not a Guardians and Thor team up movie. This is a you got you got exactly what you needed. You got like I didn't get what got, I needed. <laughs> no, but we we got the workout montage. We got Thor being with the Guardians. I mean, we got a one we got one good long sequence of him being a guardian and it just like and it proves exactly like and that's where i love that they were included because it's like okay we get from end game to here we now we know how we get there yeah and it makes sense it does it, it does it effectively it does it in a way that feels like the comics where it's like oh hey these characters just popped into this person's movie and then left and went on to do their own thing fine awesome perfect um, a great, so yeah, so that's a great example is like the, I mean, you're right. That, that kind of stuff happens in comics all the time where it's like, we'll have one issue and then, you know, oh, this character will be needed in like some crossover in a different book. And then we'll get an issue where it's like, perfect example is Moon Knight. We have that Hunter's Moon issue where it's just him having an adventure because Moon Knight was elsewhere. And then we cut back to the next issue of Moon Knight and he's back and it's like nothing ever changed. It's like there is an adventure in between Endgame or Infinity or wherever we left off last. Endgame, I guess. Like there is an adventure between Endgame and now. But if you're reading like the Thor storyline, 
of just the Thor movies, it's like, oh yeah, he was off in a issue of Guardians of the Galaxy and now he's back yeah, exactly. in this issue. Exactly. Like, it makes sense. I just feel like it was a missed opportunity. I would love to see a Thor Guardians movie. And I, for the longest time, I just thought that's what a lot of this film would be. But then we started getting Gore and Natalie Portman and like I was ready to be disappointed. But well, even what we, we did get, I, I was just like, oh, I really would love Here's the thing. Like here's the thing. What you also have to realize is that this, the movies, Guardians 3 and this movie, it would be very different if, uh, um, if Gunn hadn't been fired by Disney for a year. That's true. Because Guardians would have came out before this movie. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think you would have gotten that in the guardians movie i think guardians would have had thor in it as just a guardian and then you would have then had like at the end you know thor dips out or halfway through the movie thor dips out and then you get essentially a recap in the thor movie about where thor was and then you know there you go so that is always have yeah i get you i mean i'll always have the the guardians thor interactions from infinity war which is maybe True. one of, maybe my favorite aspect of infinity war is just we're we're doing something different with thor again after ragnarok switched him up now we got him with the guardians and he's sad and he's doing all this stuff thor has had a a journey man there's been a lot of stuff going on with thor now we got him being the father which is interesting so if we do get a thor 5 i know chris hemsworth's going to kill it again um gore's daughter is actually played by chris hemsworth's daughter right yeah. if i'm not, mis- mm-hmm. not mistaken so i mean there's there could be good stuff there too you know maybe we actually will get a, a storyline featuring valkyrie and giving her something to do but i don't know where we go from here man i mean when it comes to thor villains i don't even know who the antagonist would be we've kind of done everybody that i can think of but well i mean the end credit scene gives us uh, a look at hercules oh which yeah i think we that would talk be about a great on, on the Potent city I, think, I i think that would be a great um a very uh a very fun character yeah. to go up against thor no um, that makes sense omnipotent Obnip- city wasn't it was fine it was whatever it, that it was very like yeah. a very like all right, cool. It was the, got a lightning bolt. I mean, it was the same thing. The the whole scene really just existed to get that stupid lightning bolt, which does the same yeah. thing. With Stormbreaker and show off and show off Chris Hemsworth's butt. So yeah, yeah true. That's, and that's, to show some and, Chris Hemsworth nakedness. So um, yeah, no. Uh, well, the end other of the day, the city stuff was seven fine. Out of 10. Just it felt like it felt like in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness where we go to Earth six eight six or whatever and we have the illuminati it's like there's this huge section of the film that's just wardened off in this one specific area and then it's like we move on to the next thing i hope that that's not like a trend that happens because <laughs> mm. we got it in doctor strange we got it in thor i'd really love to see just like a non-disjointed marvel film i guess no way i home really, I, I really think the reason that. i think the reason we're sh- they're struggling so much right now is that they're in this weird limbo where they're trying to they're trying to like hey we're taking a break from you know the overarching story so we're trying to give you some movies that will kind of are kind of giving you little teases of what's to come but doesn't push anything forward and that's why 
everything feels a little disjointed because it just feels like we're in a stalled car just slowly rolling forward yeah um and it kind of feels like i mean i know that they have a plan but to a viewer just watching these movies and seeing like all the randomness happening multiverse stuff variants running around in loki (laughs) crazy stuff happening a lot of people are like yeah there doesn't feel it doesn't feel like there's too much of direction right now. It's like, what is this all leading towards? Are we trying to find what our next infinity saga story is going to be? You know, is it Kang? Is it multiverse? Is it secret wars? Where is all this leading to? And that is why I think comic con is going to be huge this year. Yeah. I think Feige's yeah. going to come out swinging. Yeah. He's going to show us some crazy stuff. Um, I think I think DC is also going to come out swinging. We're going to see some moves from there because we've got the merger and like different things happening. I heard Superman might be coming back with Henry Cavill. I heard that might be a big announcement for DC, which has they need excited. something because uh, Flash is a psychopath. Flash is so a they mess. Need, they need something to ha- they need something to get everybody's attention off of the fact that Ezra Miller has completely lost his just lost marbles. It. But yeah, What's he doing now? Um, uh, <laughs> he's got like a farm. Uh, he's like want, he's wanted by like four countries. The cops he's are got like him. arrest warrants in four different to five different countries. I heard um, it or I saw I, I didn't read it, but I saw an article headline that said um, Austin Butler was in Austin Butler is the guy who plays Elvis, right? He was Elvis, also cast yeah. in Dune. He's kind of a hot topic right now. So Austin Butler was in Hawaii and he punched ezra miller or something like that and it's just another another cog in the ezra i mean honestly i think everybody at this point wants to punch ezra miller so yeah good on austin butler man people people (laughs) see that headline and like yeah get in line get in line man i wish um but yeah guys uh let us know what you thought of thor um i've already i've already heard from a couple of my friends that they were like oh my god it's so bad i'm like all right um i sure i mean yeah that is that is a that is a feeling that you can have absolutely um but yeah i i would love to love to hear what you guys have uh thoughts wise when it comes to thor um oh what was i gonna say or moon knight or uh, zadarsky or or, yeah or any of that comics on anything like that um what do we got going on next week uh we're just gonna we're gonna be talking uh comic-con that's yeah. what we're gonna be talking next week a lot of um, comic-con reveals man maybe maybe some comics depending on what comes out next week i don't remember currently what's coming out next week yeah i don't have my um, and then i'll probably have finished terminal list by then so i'll give my little two cents on that um if anybody likes rick and morty just so y'all know because this was like a a under the radar drop solar opposites dropped the new new uh season Mm. on hulu last week um and so that's really funny um i gotta check that show out it's dude there is like i'm a big fan there's a whole there's a whole storyline about these people who are shrunk down and put into the into the the wall of the these this alien's house and it becomes like a whole society of and everything it is some of the best like content ever it's oh my gosh sounds great but yeah um but that for yeah that's gonna be it for us today guys uh we will see you guys next week and until then uh yeah have a great rest of your week and uh god bless bye guys